Hi, welcome to Connecting the Dots, the podcast where we share our stories from the battlefield of consulting. I'm your host, Johnny Hill. I'm Patrick Stival. I'm Ryan Brady. Hey, I'm Kareem Jamal. Today's episode is a little different. We'll be discussing our thoughts, concerns, and predictions around blockchain and cryptocurrency in more of an informal roundtable format. We're not all experts on this particular topic, but it is something that we were interested in discussing in a group setting. So we went ahead and recorded the conversation so we could share it with you. I hope you enjoy getting to hear our off-the-cuff thoughts around this topic. Let's get started. So obviously, you know, blockchain is kind of a big topic. Cryptocurrency is a big topic, and there are a lot of opinions about this is either going to change the world or it's just kind of a fad. I'm curious y'all's thoughts, you know, just kind of starting off, like, how, how are we feeling about cryptocurrency and about blockchain as consultants? And kind of what are some of the ways we're seeing this show up in the work we're doing or in prospective work that's coming up? It's definitely an exciting technology. It's kind of a, a running joke that, like, does your industry need blockchain? <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. But uh, but then again, there are certainly some promises and some uses for it. I think um, looking to it as also like the machine learning answer to everything technology is certainly misplaced. But <laughs> yeah, you kind of need a, a sober minded approach to it where it probably won't solve everything. But there are some key industries where it could be a significant factor or a game changer, or even just like a differentiator between you and your, uh, you and your competitors, right? Potentially. Yeah. So I think it is interesting though, because like, obviously there, as people who work in technology, who work on custom software all, you know, all day, every day, pretty much, there are some interesting kind of perspective applications for blockchain and crypto, specifically around things like financial services and supply chain. So I'm curious, now, let's spend a little bit of time talking about that and kind of what y'all are seeing there, some of the areas where there could be kind of, you know, things going on that are worth noting. I feel like there's a polarized view from uh, the media itself about blockchain, where you have like some people saying that it's super re revolutionary and the other parts just talking about NFTs and how useless stuff are in the blockchain. So I think we, we need to find the mid-term mid here. Yeah, I think there's potential there. There's, it's still a very new technology, right? And that's why everyone's trying to find uh, a use for it and how it fits in. And uh, as with many things, uh, as Ryan said, maybe the answer is that it really doesn't fit in your industry or your line of work, uh, right? Do you always need a certain type of database, you always need serverless, you always need, you know, you know, pick your technology. Even if it's cool, the answer may be no, it's, it's, it's not needed. And I think that's what uh, several people are finding out as they try to dive into this. So for some, it does fit. For others, it may, may not be a good fit, uh, no matter how much they try to force it. Right. And it may be a part of the solution, but it may not be the entire solution. I think that's another factor where you can kind of oversell it as this will solve all your problems, but there may be some key problems that you're facing. We're like, actually, yeah, the, there's a there's a pretty good solution there for block that blockchain can help 
solve this problem or make this more efficient uh, that's worth considering. But yeah, it, it's like a, another tool in a tool belt. It's not the whole tool belt itself. I think the biggest thing that blockchain tries to provide, you could argue about whether or not it does well, is provide trust because it's this whole idea of it's decentralized. No one person owns the ledger and that anyone could go in and verify a transaction on the blockchain. And you could put, of course, there's the original, you get a coin <laughs> and, the, and the ledger is purely about tracking who owns how many coins, but there's also this whole, you could put something more interesting in there like a contract or a digitized version of an image for your NFT. But the main idea is that it's decentralized, no one owns it, so you could trust it. I think that's truly what value that these blockchains attempt to bring to the market. But at the core of it, that's still fragile because you could have a super block of computers running the network that could take over <laughs> the, uh, the network, essentially centralize a decentralized network. So there's still issues there's potential there. for, yeah, there's potential for misuse there. Uh, that, I guess that's the interesting other, point, though. Go ahead. I guess the other goal that was at least popular in the beginning was anonymity. But <laughs> instead of having like a name, you have like a, an ash. But I think we're seeing more and more that at least that part of it is going away where Bitcoin transactions truly can be traced to individuals and entities. Yeah, that, I was going to say, I feel like, you know, for the uninitiated, it may be good to start with like a general high level. Okay, what do we mean when we're talking about Bitcoin and blockchain and crypto and like what just either the, the origins and kind of some of the, the terminology, what we're talking about here and how it works just at a high level uh, for anyone who's not super familiar with this, because I know it is a newer topic and a lot of people are still just trying to get their head around it. Well, I, I think you put it very well. Blockchain is basically a tool for providing trust between many parties. And I kind of feel like it's still too limited to the financial world because it was born in that environment. But we have some other use cases for it. We can see like IBM has a Hyperledger and I'm sure they have some clients that use it for their specific uh, use cases, but it's still limited. You know, you, you mentioned that it's very limited to, or people by default think about blockchain within the financial services or finance world. What are some of the uh, areas you see it having value expanded outside of just that industry? Well, one outside interesting case I came across a while back was education. And so you'd use the blockchain ledger to track all the courses you've taken, your degrees, your certifications. That way it's all in one place, easy to see, just all gathered, you know, and as you do uh, more academic stuff in the future, it all gets added to that, which I thought was a, an interesting use case. Uh, but then it also comes with its downsides because due to human error, if someone puts uh, uh, the wrong class or the wrong grade on that ledger, which is immutable, then undoing that or fixing that is uh, a big headache. It's almost like having to go to the DMV uh, and you know get your records corrected uh, because it's just a very long and slow, painful process. 
could you could you get around that by having like a double triple like check validation process before it's submitted into the blockchain in order to help curb that though possibly now how thorough people will be as they give their approvals <laughs> uh, for all these classes coming in especially at the end of the semester you know it's it's uh, always comes down to the the human weak link let's be real here you'd have to do some sort of like uh event store logic to like you have your original record and then you have updates or diffs to it so now we're getting into another realm right so now you have to have something that sits on top of the blockchain is not part of the blockchain but knows how to read it and knows how to extract your records with all the corrections over time <laughs> but right that's probably how it would be done there are some services that they are not specifically about finance, but they are uh, related somehow. Like we have Gitcoin, that is basically a blockchain for bug bounties where someone posts a bug and any developer can try to contribute and they would get paid for the resolution. So it's a really cool project. And we also have blockchain for storage. So you can buy uh, storage with some cryptocurrency and store your files in the blockchain and you can make sure that it will be stored uh, as long as you want so and I think as we're talking we we are sort of covering uh, what Johnny said earlier is that it is a tool if you're expecting blockchain to just solve everything you know in and of itself that's probably not the case right you can use it but there has to be other things on top of it, you know, as a, an approval process or an auditing system or all these other things like the event store, right? Uh, you, it'll come along with all of that. Yeah, something that is interesting that is happening uh, nowadays that wasn't happening in the beginning of the blockchain days is that we're starting to see blockchains interacting with each other. Like we, we have something that is called the wrapped Bitcoin, where you can have a Bitcoin in another blockchain, like in the Ethereum blockchain. And it's, it, you can tie that, that Bitcoin to a smart contract or whatever, and that is really useful for applications. So maybe I'm just naive here, but I'm curious. There's a part of me that wonders, I know a big part of crypto and blockchain was anonymity. We, we kind of touched on that at the beginning, like being a, a key factor, but then there's also concerns about, well, you can, you can kind of trace it back to someone. And then there's also the idea of the ledger being like publicly verifiable information. How do you go about privacy while also having like accountability and clarity and like what's all happening? Because my understanding is there needs to be some kind of a balancing act there between like obviously private information either being hashed or, you know, accounted for in one way, but also there needs to be like a publicly accessible record or am I misunderstanding that, the need for that balance? Mm, I think that we have most projects like Bitcoin, you can actually trace where the uh, specific coin goes from and to, but there are projects that make it harder like Monero and there are also projects that connect the uh, actual banking services to the uh, to the cryptocurrency world like BISC. So you can for sure make it harder 
for people to trace your money, but I wouldn't say that it's impossible. It's kind of an interesting question. Would you ever store private information? Like, would you ever put something on the blockchain that you don't want people to know? <laughs> I would hope not, but you know someone somewhere will. Uh, I mean, there's obscurity through just how many transactions and there's just full of incomprehensible numbers, right? Like trying to scan for a particular NFT or something that looks like this is probably really hard on the blockchain, but like there's no promise of privacy for what's stored on the blockchain, is there? Well, maybe if we think about the like having a storage service in the blockchain, it could be interesting to have your files encrypted before uploading them. So you could decrypt them with your private key. But again, like the idea is eventually you're going to share that with someone, right? Like it's, well, okay. You would share it with like a limited number of parties. You could have a smart contract to where when you fulfill it, you get the encryption key that you can download the file and <laughs> decrypt it. Why not? Patrick, you'd also mentioned some interesting elements around um, specifically like getting outside information into the blockchain and kind of connecting it with other other information and just kind of the ways that that can play out in other scenarios or other use cases. Yeah, right. We have like uh, one example of that is the chain link. So Chainlink is basically a project for getting information from oracles. And from these oracles, you can get information from other blockchains and also from the real world. So you can like bet on uh, asset prices inside a specific blockchain. And if the oracles say that uh, a certain price was reached, you can like, you can create smart contracts on top of that. And there are a lot of use cases for that. I I don't have any on the top of my head, but betting could be one of them. Yeah, so it, that, that seems to be getting more into like, you know, once again, we were talking about blockchain technology as a tool in the tool belt being coupled with other systems for, you know, reading and sending information in order to create a larger project or product that has the strengths of blockchain, but also has strengths of other systems built in. And just kind of some of that, uh, the things that you could do that you can do otherwise without it, but you still need other dependencies there in order to make it work. Yeah, because like before that, the blockchain was just like this sandbox environment that is not really connected to the outside world unless you have something like uh, an exchange or things like that. But now we're starting to grow into an environment where these blockchains can actually communicate with the outside world. So um, that's getting more interest over time, more interesting. And there is also uh, now, there are projects where you can, uh, you can swap coins based on uh, automated market makers. You have like an algorithm to uh, to guess the price of assets according to demand. So that's another example where the blockchain suffices itself. You have like Uniswap for that. So you don't need an exchange uh, anymore to, to swap different coins between different blockchains. 
Now, I'm also curious, we, so we talked a little bit about other industries that we could see this expanding into. Another one that Xperia has a lot of experience with, and generally we, we've worked with other companies on optimizing supply chain issues, which we're obviously all familiar with right now with you know, the state of the world. Everyone is aware, acutely aware uh, that the supply chain could always be better or improved. And, and there's some unique uh, cases for ways you could use blockchain technology to optimize that. And I'll spend a little bit of time talking about that, kind of what y'all have seen and what y'all expect moving forward. Um, and maybe some of the ways that, you know, since Xperia has worked with uh, supply chain companies in the past, things we can kind of anticipate coming. Yeah, I think it's a hard problem in, in itself. Like you need, uh, basically where the blockchain could be useful there is being a framework between multiple parties, but they would have to agree to use the blockchain in the first place and they would have to agree to use the same blockchain. So supply chains can get pretty complicated and having everyone agreeing to use the same blockchain can be a problem, I think. But once there's a standard established I feel like the it's kind of like the growing pains that we're experiencing now, I feel like. But if there were to be a standard established that could kind of foster that, I feel like the the pros would be pretty significant though, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The hard part is getting there, I think. But once we have something like this established, uh, it could be really beneficial. You would know exactly where some product came from or the... You could know that it's a quality product and it's uh, its sources. With, could that also be helpful in things like giving customers more visibility into like the sustainability and the ethical uh, background behind like the sourcing for the products that that they're buying? Because so, I know that's a big frustration and question for a lot of people: is oh, I didn't realize this product I bought was built from materials that were sourced unethically. I don't want to support that, but that kind of information, you know, making that accessible. I wonder if there's a, there's a case there for, for that kind of thing as well. Yeah. I mean, does it really solve that problem? You could, you could store any kind of things on the, on the blockchain. And so we trust that the data and the transactions, but do we really trust what you put in there? If, you say that this was handmade in the United States, um, but actually you imported it <laughs> from somewhere else. Like, I don't think the blockchain in any way gives any guarantee that the data that's entered, like the transaction is there, like, you know. I, yeah, I it, it doesn't, but it, uh, it, it can say who put it in there. Yeah. If someone finds it out, it could point to whoever did that. But for sure, you could think of some way of doing that without blockchain. So maybe you're right. Yeah, it's, it's, it gets into an interesting question, Ryan. You were saying about like the difference between the quality of the data and the verifiability that, yes, the data is has not changed. But that doesn't necessarily speak to whether it was accurate to begin with. No, in the so whole supply chain, there are many, many individual actors. It's not one mega corporation controlling it all, thank goodness. You've got materials, miners, uh, raw materials. You have 
uh, people who put it together, you have any number of logistics on the steps of most tons and tons of logistics. Each one of these is a private small company until you finally get to like the final freight that's handled by a big player like UHF, I mean, UPS or, but so the solution blockchain offers is now here's like, okay, nobody owns this database. It's decentralized. Everybody is working off of this and you can, you know, here's some protocols to read and write to it, but you can trust it because it's not FedEx that owns everything. It's decentralized. That, that's a value that I could see people getting on board with. If the cost of entry, like right now, the tech required to like one write to the blockchain to say like, I produced this product on this date at this location and I'm shipping it here. That's hard. And then you have to get people to adopt it because they have to read it from the blockchain. But if the cost of entry and the technology got lower, I could absolutely see that getting adoption and being useful for the greater good. Yeah, I feel like there's another element there kind of related to that that we haven't touched on. It's like just the overall public perception. You know, there's, there's a lot to be gained or lost on if the public or like the generally if people are willing to accept a new technology. I think blockchain is interesting because it's kind of hard to get your head around initially. It, 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 I think you can hear about it a few times before it starts to click for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, people need to be able to understand it and trust it in order for it to kind of take hold in some ways. I think there are other areas where like it can kind of be there working in the background like a system uh, It's making things more efficient. It doesn't really matter if people understand it or not. But I do think it's kind of a high profile technology and that a lot of people are like on the fence about it right now. So there's that whole other side of it, just like public perception and assumptions around it. And it's a good point because I'm sure a lot of people are like, you secured this with Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is down 50% today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or you use Bitcoin for this, why it's so expensive. Like <laughs> people get so focused on the price of the coin and not like the other tangential things that it could do that would be the value add from something like supply chain that it, there's a lot of things that disrupt the trust of that system. Yeah, I think one of the beneficial things that the blockchain brought, uh, not in itself, but around the people that use it is that it brought back that sense that you shouldn't trust anyone uh, by default. So <laughs> the number of scams that you have in the blockchain ecosystem, and like if you if you make a transaction to the wrong uh, wallet, you're just uh, you're screwed, and you should basically just trust in yourself in that world. So like introducing a healthy skepticism to yeah exactly yeah i do feel that blockchain and crypto overall just suffer from a pr image problem because people have associated so much with crypto uh in general uh and just seeing the market volatility of bitcoin going up and then going down then going up to eighty thousand and people selling their houses and taking double mortgages and then all of a sudden it drops and they lose everything right uh, it seems to be very, very volatile, especially when uh, some 
key players go on Twitter and post something about, you know, certain coins and all of a sudden it spikes or drops or whatever, right? So it's too easy to manipulate it. And all of that has given it a bad image. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's all this, also this undercurrent of the fact that, hey, some of this blockchain technology is being used for money laundering and things like that, right? Which it may be. Uh, but, uh, you know, when people think blockchain, they immediately start thinking about these negative things. Yeah, we had like this recent case of Terra Luna where we had this coin which was supposed to be pegged to the US dollar, the USD, but uh, it was so liquidated that the, the coin just vanished. So a lot of people lost so much money in this. It's really sad. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because you know, if, if we're getting into the distinction, blockchain isn't exclusively like tied to Bitcoin, but in people's minds, they're so connected that, oh, well, if one of them has these weird things going on, like you're saying, it's really volatile right now. If I hear anything related to blockchain, I think, oh, volatile Bitcoin danger, when it could be completely unrelated, it's just using the underlying technology. So yeah, kind of getting back to the PR nightmare that you were describing, Kareem, it's, it, it, Part of the issue is like, how do you communicate what it actually is and how it's, well, it's actually just like a, a technology. It's not like a form of currency in and of itself if you're talking about blockchain, but they get so intertwined in people's heads that can create you know, other issues with trust and with you know, not, not being sure if, if you want that. Yeah, and when we're talking about um, money laundering, I think that the hardest part is like getting the money from the real world into the blockchain uh, with anonymity because bringing, bringing the money from the blockchain to the real world isn't so hard. Like there are websites that sell, for instance, Amazon uh, gift cards or anything like that that you can buy directly in crypto. So I think the, the hardest part, the focus point of getting people that are related to this, uh, to money laundry, would be getting them when they're entering the blockchain. And I think it is important, as we were saying, to approach this with a heavy dose of skepticism, rightly so, because just like in crypto, where it can be easily manipulated with, uh, you know, a couple key players, uh, as Ryan alluded to earlier, where if you get enough central servers, you now have centralized, decentralized system, right? And maybe we're not seeing that yet because there aren't enough uh, companies and others on blockchain, but you always have to be aware that if, you know, more and more businesses go that route, uh, then the, it becomes more lucrative to centralize those servers, right? And someone will find a way to do that. And uh, you might uh, be then stuck you know, working around that or figuring out backup solutions or trying to change out your core tech all of a sudden uh, because someone has taken over the decentralized network. Yeah, some, that's something that I also think is really interesting in the blockchain that uh, even if it's flawed, in some cases, uh, it still survives. Like if there's a really bad bug in your blockchain, you can always create a fork the price will be uh, affected, but 
it will survive if there is enough people working on it. So I think Ethereum uh, had a fork where now we have Ethereum Classic and normal Ethereum. So that happens too. Great example where <laughs> the network's just kind of split, right? Some people decided they weren't going to do it and they and the network had to fight for a while between people upgrading and people not upgrading until finally they just forced the split between the network and began yeah. to yeah so I'm I'm curious just as you know as technologists as consultants in kind of this world just overall your reactions and thoughts we've, we've talked about kind of the need for maybe a healthy skepticism and kind of keeping an eye on things and recognizing there's value but you know be careful with it but I'm just kind of curious yeah, y'all's approaches and reactions in general to the thought of you know, blockchain being incorporated into more industries and technologies in new ways, maybe some we expect and some we don't. And then any, I don't know, any, any things that y'all predictions or concerns for the future, just things that y'all are you know, in this world have been thinking about pondering on uh, as we kind of go into the future and, and see this uh, technology showing up in more areas and in different ways. Energy usage is is a big concern for most blockchains, Bitcoin in particular. I, I do worry about that to some degree. And I do always think that like the speculation and investing and schemes, because it's a completely unregulated market, that those are like valid concerns for mm -hmm. like trusting your data on the blockchain is something you it's a high enough concern that you probably have to duplicate it, that you have your data on the blockchain and you have your data on your own network. Just because <laughs> maybe as the cryptocurrency becomes more uh, mature over time, maybe that starts to go away, maybe that doesn't. But that's where we are today. Yeah, I don't know how much true there is to it, but uh, I already heard that uh, Bitcoin miners are majorly in countries with renewable energy so that like the carbon footprint wouldn't be so large. I think that's a completely other cool story, right? Like the Bitcoin miners are where energy is cheap, either by government subsidy or otherwise. And it's kind of fascinating growing story about how economical renewable energy is becoming and at such a rate. Some of that is just because like there's wind generators way out in West Texas where no one lives, it's a desert and there's lots of free wind energy there. <laughs> but some of it is not that like really some of these renewable energies are becoming cheaper and the miners are taking advantage of that cheap energy. Yeah, it's interesting seeing I don't know who would have predicted that cryptocurrency would have been a catalyst for renewable energy to become more and more prevalent. But it's, it's a cool kind of connection there. Do we think we'll run into limits later with more and more blockchain and miners uh, increasing? Even though we're increasing renewable energy, on the flip side, we are seeing a rise in electric vehicles and things like that, right? Uh, mm -hmm. and to the point where many electric grids are starting to get stressed especially in the very hot summer months. Do we think there'll come a time where 
countries or sectors start restricting or limiting, uh, you know, throttling your usage of, uh, you know, blockchain generation to where it starts affecting your business because the transactions can't be processed fast enough. Yeah, it's a concern. So this, I think um, part of that problem is that to get more trust, you need more people on the network. The more decentralized you are, the more trust you have. But more people are on the older networks like Bitcoin that are less energy efficient and are slower. And do you take a gamble on a blockchain that uses a more efficient, what do they call the algorithms that verify transactions? Of that, work and stake. Yeah, right. So do you to jump to one of those that's more efficient and more reliable and faster at the cost of trust? <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the key, right? So really the takeaway is if you first evaluate if it is a good fit for your business, and if it is, uh, think of it as a tool and still have a backup because with you know this technology still in its infancy, it can go any which direction, right? Uh, at the whims of the people that are sort of driving that direction. So if you need to back away from it or uh, you know switch entirely, it would be good to have sort of a plan B in place. Yeah, and ask lots of forward thinking questions about, like you were saying, okay, how can we embrace efficiency and uh, kind of think ahead to maybe some future concerns here. Just you know, asking those questions early on even if it does end up still being the, the solution you go for and say, yeah, we do want to use blockchain for this solution. Thinking ahead and, and asking those questions early so that you can be prepared. Thanks for connecting with us today. If you have a complex software problem that needs solving, thoughts on what we discussed today, or ideas on what topics we should tackle next, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at experiowink.com or on Twitter at Expiro Inc. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining us and we look forward to connecting with you next time.